reading today is from Mark chapter 9, verses 20 to 26. And that's on the page. Okay. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the house, to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. When I first looked at this passage for today, the story of this sick boy, it seemed quite alien to our medicalized society and culture. But when I prayed about it, there's one line in the middle here that I think really rings true today as much as it ever did. That was verse 24. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when it comes to belief that something will actually change and that God will intervene, It sometimes depends how big the ask is. It can be easier to believe that someone's flu will get better than someone will be healed of cancer. And sometimes we can have faith in the everyday stuff, but the bigger stuff seems more of a challenge. That big threat of redundancy or the breakdown in a relationship or a friend's addiction, sometimes that tests our faith, how much we believe. Sometimes our belief comes down to 
how much we think God really loves us or is really powerful enough to act. Or we can doubt whether we're actually good enough. Are we, have we actually done enough for the problem to be fixed? Am I, have I really been faithful enough? Have I really read my Bible enough? Have I behaved well enough? And sometimes if we've had an issue that we've spent a long time, like many years, like this boy's father, hoping it will be resolved or trying to get it resolved, and it still is not resolved, we can begin to doubt it will ever get fixed. I think these are all questions that we have at different times. And when we start thinking about these questions, this this passage, this chapter, suddenly seems very relevant to today. And I think there are there are several parallels that we can draw out with our society. In the section before we've just heard, Jesus has been um, on the mount of what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. He's he has just met with Moses and Elijah, with Peter, James, and John. They have just had this archetypal mountaintop experience, really spiritual, come down, full of faith. Um, they've just been, Peter's been so inspired, he wanted to set up an altar there. It's just been, um, you know, amazing. And that can be the same for us. We can have a very, we can go away on a retreat that is really powerful and we come back full of hope and faith. Or we could have had a, just a worship time where we just are really uplifted and come away feeling great. Or it might just be, we've been reading our Bible, having a prayer time, and it just feels God's really spoken to us, and it's very special. And then we get back home, or we get back to work, or we get back to normal, everyday life. And that whole experience is suddenly marred. Because the children are arguing, or we get caught up in office politics... Or we've just got the sheer volume of stuff we still need to pick up again. And as Jesus, Peter, James and John come down from the mountain, they are brought fully back down to earth. The other nine disciples who've been left down in the town or the village are in a big argument with the teachers of the law. And there's all these, the crowd looking on, a big hoo-ha going on. I don't know whether the disciples had been left to carry on their healing and preaching ministry or if they were told to have a rest and people in need of prayer had come seeking them out. But what's ended up is they've got sidetracked from what they're doing and they've got in this big argument. And of course, we know, in churches, we never find instances where people get sidetracked from actually worshipping God and focusing on telling people about Jesus and get sidetracked by other issues. I'm sure there's no parallel there at all. Or maybe there is. Anyway, Jesus comes down and just faces the situation. And he asks them what's going on. And neither the disciples nor the teachers of the law answer him immediately. Maybe the disciples are a bit ashamed that they've got in this situation. Maybe the teachers of the law know that it's not great to try and question Jesus because he's normally got some one-liner which cuts right to the quick and silences the argument. They're going to hold back this time. So it's left to this poor boy's father 
to come into that and explain what the argument was about. How he'd just brought this sick child and the disciples couldn't do anything about it and they end up arguing with the teachers of the law. They failed to heal this boy and they've got an argument. Now, we, we don't know the exact nature of this illness. Maybe it was an evil spirit. We've just prayed over Joey that he'll be able to resist the devil. The devil is out there. Maybe today we would have been diagnosed with epilepsy or a mental illness. We don't know. But the fact is, he's had this a long time. And also, it seems incurable. This poor father seems like he's at the end of his tether. But it struck me here that these nine disciples, instead of continuing to pray and ask God about this situation, they've turned in on themselves and got caught up with this argument. I mean, maybe the teacher of the law law were goading them because they hadn't managed to just pray a prayer and everything um, be restored. We don't know what went on. But they've stopped focusing on God, prayer, problem to argument. And Jesus calls them an unbelieving generation. And I don't know, does he think that they're just not exhibiting enough faith themselves? And that's why they struggled with this situation? Or does he think that they're starting to put faith in their own abilities? It's become about them. They think, oh, we've, we've, been, we've been out and about. We've been praying and preaching and we've seen miracles. We've got this sussed. And then suddenly some things hit them that they can't quite grasp. And it's become about them. Or do they just feel too daunted by the seriousness of how sick this boy is? And maybe they're not expressing it or even would outwardly acknowledge it. But they're also thinking, well, I do believe, but do I believe enough for this? I need help or we need help in our unbelief. Jesus does show exasperation at this situation, but he also shows great compassion. And he he speaks to the father and says, bring your boy to me. And when he does that, the boy immediately exhibits what's wrong with him. He's down on the floor, writhing away. And you'd think that like when there was a storm going on, that Jesus would just have said, oh, be healed. But he doesn't. He turns to the father and starts questioning him. And I wonder if that is to bring out more behind this and what's actually going on in this situation. If we go to a doctor with a physical problem, or if we go to the prayer ministry team with, with any kind of problem, they're likely to question us just to get the background, to find out what's really happening, because it's not always what people first voice that's what's the real issue. And I know with the prayer ministry team, they'll be praying to understand the situation fully so they can pray appropriately. So it's not surprising Jesus is is then saying to the Father, what is going on here? And I think probably at the same time, communing with his own Father, what do you want me to do here? And then he picks up on what the, the Father's saying. He says, what do you mean But if you can do anything? Now, I don't for a minute think that that boy wasn't um, being healed because his father didn't have enough faith, wasn't praying hard enough. I don't think that's what this is about at all. But he may have been stood there thinking, I'm not sure I'm good enough to stand in front of this man, Jesus. I'm not that regular at the synagogue. I don't live that perfect a life. 
Or maybe I've tried so many different people and gone to so, tried so many different cures and my boy's still sick. Can I really believe that this man in front of me is going to make any difference? And that, that's all really understandable thoughts. And so Jesus hears from him. So he challenges him on, on that point. And then the boy says, boy's father says, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. And it's interesting in that he's expressing unbelief, but that's where Jesus intervenes. He takes him where he is. He doesn't expect us to come with everything sorted. And then he prays and the boy is immediately healed. We did change the the, um, the reading because we did have it finishing a verse too early with him just on the floor as if dead and we thought we should really finish the story off so that we actually you did know Jesus does get healed that was an error when the the um the the first the passage was first sent out but there is an interesting contrast here between the d- disciples who in fact they say they believe but you actually wonder if they really do believe and then the man who is torn between faith and unbelief but is honest with God. And who's the one who has the greater success? And it's a wonderful example that for us, we just have to give the bit that we have. But I think there's a lot here about honesty and just really coming and saying, this is how I am, take me where I am. There's the end verses when um, the disciples afterwards say um, in private to Jesus, why couldn't we do this? He says to them that this, this situation could only be resolved by prayer. But I do wonder if he's talking about not the quantity of prayer, but the quality of prayer. And we, we've had a lot of different teachings on prayer here. But we would all say that prayer is about communicating with God here. And that, that boy, boy's father, when he comes to Jesus, is very honest in the end of where he is. With, with prayer, there's a speaking and there's a listening. And when we pray for situations, we should also do the listening. I was struck um, recently, there's a, there was a great um, Christian teacher called Tim Keller who recently died of pancreatic cancer. But even when he knew he was terminally ill, when he was interviewed and in his writings, he he said, my prayer life since I was diagnosed and that of my wife has never been so rich and I wouldn't change anything because I've experienced the closeness of God. Now, this in this situation, this isn't terminal, this boy gets healed. But there's, there's something about that message about from Tim Keller that was about... Prayer is about relationship with God. So I think that's why Jesus says it's about prayer. It's about being real with God. And the key thing, I think, for us here this morning is that the the Father was heard in his unbelief. It's a bit like a a spiritual context of the the feeding of of the 5,000 when all they had to physically offer was five little loaves and two fish. And Jesus took that little multiplied it and fed the 5,000. In a sense, it's a spiritual example of that. The father just brings the the little that he has and his honesty and openness, and then Jesus meets him there. It's so beautiful. 
And we can believe that for ourselves. But sometimes we believe God and then struggle with unbelief in different areas. And we don't need to brush it under the carpet and think, oh no, I've got to always look like I know just what's going on. We don't. We're a community. We're a body. We should be able to express when we're struggling. And if people walk through the door who don't have a faith and are struggling, that's that's okay. We should just be able to accept them and, and help them to move forward. Accept them in their unbelief. Because God is both loving enough and powerful enough and shows compassion to those who struggle and have doubts. And I wanted to finish by giving us all time to just think about that for ourselves and to have time to bring to God ourselves those prayers where if we're honest, we might have got to the point where we've thought, "Is can God ever sort this out for me? It just seems too big. It might be something you've lived with for years and you've got to the point where you just think, I just have to live with it. And maybe you do, but God can still speak to you in that situation. I really believe that. As he, he met this father where he was. So let's just offer, we'll have a time of quiet, and let's just offer to God where we are at. Bring him anything that you're struggling with, whether it's something that's happened last week or 10 years ago. And I'll say a prayer and then I'll hand over to our worship team. Father God, I thank you that you take the little that we have and you multiply it. You make up the rest. And Lord, for all those situations and circumstances that we are thinking of now this morning, I pray that you will meet us there as we are honest with you about our belief and unbelief, that you will meet us individually And show us that you are loving enough and powerful enough and compassionate enough. And you want to be with us in those places. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.